0: Big Finish, for the love of stories. You're listening to The Big Finish
1: Podcast, release date the 4th of December, 2022. I know we're time travellers, we don't need the money, but I'm sure we could do something useful with it. We
2: haven't won anything.
1: Well, We might have done, it's written right here on the envelope.
2: Doctor, you can't trust envelopes. Didn't you learn anything from Baker Street? It's junk mail.
1: It's not, it says so. This is not junk mail, right there on the- Envelope.
2: Yes, Doctor. Do you see where we're going with this? Hello, <laughs> Benji.
0: A pleasure to have your company.
2: Oh, I'm
0: Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audiobooks,
3: audio drama and this podcast. All for the love of stories. Any moment now, the Good Review Guide will be featuring Torchwood, the Grey Mare by Stuart Pringle and Lauren Moody, great writers. And starring Gareth David Lloyd. Looking very scared on the beautiful cover. Ooh.
4: We are in it now. Winter's dead and bone white middle. The clock spring is wound, set to chime.
0: Then we go behind the scenes with The Eighth Doctor Adventures Connections.
4: Here Lies Drax
0: by John Dorney and starring, of course, Paul McGann as the Doctor.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do hope I didn't damage it when your guards threw
3: me down. I love a masked guard. Don't you? Following that, more listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Beyond exciting. In our also available segment, it's Brave New
0: Worlds. Visitants, The Frequency by Tajinda Singh Hair. That's right, all
3: part of UNIT.
4: Get that door unlocked, Ricks. It's about to get lively.
3: Then the Randomoid Electrotron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Benji, unleash the clip from the future.
5: Play the audio segment.
0: Unleashed successfully. And then it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's The Eighth Doctor Adventures, Connections. Here lies Drax by John Donnie.
2: They all wanted to be certain he was dead. It's almost as if none of them trusted him. I wonder why that might be. Is that it? Yep. All done. Right. Will there be any more interruptions?
1: How would we know?
6: (sighs) Very well. Darling,
7: beloved.
3: Well, it's a shame that it's not canon, that because uh, John Dorney says that everything he writes isn't canon. So it's gone. It's just you it's know. Gone you might as
0: well, You might as well just you know. I mean, it's there are two other in stories one here, in the,
3: box the Hopefully, they're canon, but. uh <laughs>
0: it's the first story in the in the the set as well so you know just start at disc two <laughs> i mean he's
3: he, he, he's wrong because it's you know his work is great and that's that's canon enough for me john um more on 80s music which i know everyone has been very excited about our talks we've been literally inundated with no emails whatsoever about 80s music oh no there was one wasn't there about there was julian one. cope last week uh saying that ron greener's 1970s version of the theme tune sounded rather like rewards by the teardrop explodes to which we agreed quite frankly yes what a great name for a band teardrop, teardrop explodes. explodes liverpool aren't they liverpool band i don't know whether that's relevant to why it's a good title so just me giving some background okay you know nice what about ultravox Love a bit of Ultravox. Doo-doo.
1: Dancing
3: with
0: tears in my oh, you went for
3: that, and I went for Vienna, which was their one. Vienna? That didn't, didn't get to number one because of <coughs> Shut Up Your Face, kept it off. No
0: way. Yeah, yeah. It's a great song, though, Vienna.
4: Oh, Vienna.
0: They also did that Love's Great, is it Love's Great Adventure?
3: Yeah, yeah. There's a brilliant bit in the video of that where they stop, and he sits down and goes... Okay, carry on. And then the music starts again. <laughs> I remember that video so well because... Um, it's like Indiana Jones
0: style. Isn't it? Well, my parents, it must have been in the late 80s, there was mm. some television program on, and it was like the what? greatest... Hilariously, it was the greatest music videos ever. And this is like in like 1988, 1989 or something. Yeah. And so it's really amusing watching this videotape because it's, it's like these are the greatest videos ever as of that time. I like yeah. really I don't know but that was on there and it was the yeah the the chap going through the jungle and all that business That's it. Right. What's um, <laughs> um, I mean I do love the album so I think much to me yes Love oh. Great Adventure <laughs>
3: but I I love the earlier well not the early early stuff with John Fox before a major came along although I love some of that as well Yeah actually. nothing wrong with that Or Alt- what was it Autobahn. is it? Isn't, uh, underpass I was going to say autobahn autobahn <laughs> is is craftwork, isn't it yeah, yeah. or underpass it goes do, 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 do. underpass Gosh. and if you get in your head that <laughs> underpants the, exactly if you get that in your head you can't hear anything else underpants <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like that one um uh eyes without a face by um billy idol uh, and he's, you know, the one eyes without a face. Yeah. And then if you listen to it close enough and and imagine he's saying I supply the fish, then it only <laughs> sounds like said so, and I supply the fish. My ger- my German friend Jürgen told me that, and it has ruined the song for me. <laughs> I supply the fish. And it's funny as though because obviously there are these women in it, you know, going do do do. Is that call them response? Just love this idea of these women yeah. obviously want to sleep with Billy Idol, and he's just telling them that he supplies some fish. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I f- I've got to get it up. I don't, you know, when you hear it. The uh, uh, I just wanted to say the the album Vienna is really good. That so Fox album. I need to get that on LP. That is a great you just got to get it. It's great. It's got uh, one of my favorite tracks on it is Mister X, which is them sending up the previous. Version of Ultravox with John Fox. Really, it's all sort of, you know, all very mysterious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I
0: suppose they kind of re, not rebranded themselves, but they they very much became an eighties band, didn't they? They
3: Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, I think some people saw it as a huge betrayal. I mean, it's it's very poppy, but they're great pop songs. You know, like Sleepwalk as well. That's that's a great great song, iconic song. That one, just all of them immediately recognisable and yeah. Just yeah,
0: nice like, down. you know, it's like the cult. They, you know, they became a sort of popular 80s band, but they were previously the Southern Death Cult, which uh, is a far <laughs> better name.
3: Um, but they were is far it? darker
0: and more sort of, uh, yeah, a bit more punky in their early days.
3: Okay. Anyway, do write into Big Finish um, and the podcast at bigfinish.com uh, to tell us about your 80s. It's Benji playing some... Since- it does sound like I Supply I the Fish,
0: supply Write in, let us know Do you supply the fish? Time now for our good review guide Finding the latest positive comments About Big Finish Productions To help recommend them For you I like battered hake Don't we all? I love a bit I'd hake. supply that Kippers <laughs>
3: <laughs> And as promised this week We're looking at Torchwood the Grey Mare From Big Finish Productions Torchwood The Grey Mare
4: Listen, Mary Lloyd White as moonlight Rattle-bagged and broken-backed Steed of winter who the pale men carry It's
8: a game, an old game Very old
4: Who are those that squire you Slow and ceaseless Yard by yard House by house and door by door
8: Steady now.
9: Listen, she's hungry and she wants in. What do you say to that? I. Are you sure this is right?
4: We are in it now. Winter's dead and bone white middle. The clock spring is wound set to chime. The wine cups are filled to the brim, and the grey bride is coming to the feast.
9: Ah! Annie, shut the door. Push it, quick.
4: Listen, she is coming. She is.
3: Big Finish. We love stories.
0: Just go to bigfinish.com and type grey mare into the search pane yeah. to find this one. To it. Well, first up, we've got Tony Filer, uh, not Tony exons. Flyer, son of Bill Filer or Bill and This Flyer. is what I want to mention. Bill Der and Bill Ding.
3: And something I forgot to mention in our chat earlier was that, as you know, Benji, I've been... On the advice of Stephen Noonan, our first Doctor, I have been re-watching the third Doctor in the style I originally watched it as a kid. That's not to say I'm wearing short trousers and sucking <laughs> a lollipop or anything um i am watching because i saw doctor who in black and white right up until the end of the hand of fear with one exception i saw one episode of the curse of the final episode of the curse of peladon in color which i found sort of terrifyingly colorful you had a French house or something i was at my um uncle jack and auntie jones house Ah. in bebbington uh in cheshire
0: that must have been uh, so
3: strange yeah yeah and they were much higher up the social scale than us you know they always had better carpets and you know, better washing machines, and they had a colour telly. And the thing that really hit me about the Curse of peloton was the closing titles, where I saw all that green. They their, <laughs> their colour turned up far too high, of course, as everyone did in the seventies. And I remember just thinking, "There's so much green in Doctor Who." Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I watched Doctor Who in black and white, and watching Third Doctor stories again, but with the colour turned off, and having it in monochrome on my nice big screen I bought recently goodness me it just takes me right back i mean the ogrons in frontier and space are utterly terrifying it's It's completely different black and white well when you talk of axos is amazing in black and white i mean really really amazing i that you don't see all the sort of fuzziness of the cso quite so um you know prominently well this
0: is the thing isn't it and and you you made a really good comment when you were telling me because i did the same when you told me i'd turn the color off and Especially for, yeah, cause of Axos was just, yeah, I think arguably the Axons look better silver than they do gold. I know, I know. But, um, but you told me a really interesting thing about the um, lighting technicians there.
3: Well, I mean, I, I was saying about the, uh, the people lighting and uh, the directors, they were all trained in black and white. And suddenly, when you see those shots, like in Frontier and Space in the President's office, which just, you know, watched in colour, you just feel like you're in a kind of washing machine showroom. But suddenly, when you see them in black and white and all those stark lines and the characters positioned relatively to to them, it, it looks like some sort of very profound expressionistic piece of cinema. It's really... And you can see, m- and most of the time, they would have been checking the pictures on black and white monitors. It's you true. Know, with, say, a master monitor in the gallery that was in colour. And I presume they had some kind of colour line-up uh, monitor system for the cameras. But... You know the directors would have been trained and experienced in using black and white, and even though I'm sure they were very creative and inventive and welcoming of the new technology, although the camera technicians weren't. They, I think they went on strike <laughs> across the industry about it because they, it was far more complicated and they didn't get paid more to do it initially. Um, understandable. Uh, you know I think that a lot of them still had their heads in the sort of black and white zone, and the, all the shots looked better in black and white. The the framing and everything just because i think there was a tendency for uh, those early color episodes to look a little bit sort of pastel and ineffective you're you know? so, yeah you're
0: you're so and and very beige as well i mean beige was of of the time but so cert- i mean when i think of that first season of of john pertwee's or series as we call them here
3: i just think of sort of beige really <laughs> Well, it'd be, I, I haven't rewatched some of those early earlier ones in black and white maybe I should maybe I should go for spearhead in, from space well, that'd be an interesting one yeah, and, and, and sort
0: of yeah that would be really bizarre because you know I always think it's quite dramatic you know the first color episode yeah um, yeah of course the, the irony is is that terror of the autons would have been a far better example of like welcome to color because it's that's such a colorful story. With all the yellows and the you know big bold colours everywhere, and and actually Spearhead isn't particularly colourful. I mean of the colour right. saturation in that first shot with the TARDIS and he falls out. That's quite you know the TARDIS looks very very blue, but um, it's not a great example of it's not the yellow brick road is it? You know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I well, suppose. I, not. I do love. But that anyway, story, folks, you know? I, I do recommend you watch John Pertwee in Black and White. It's particularly if you're that generation who would have seen it at the time, because most people didn't get colour televisions until much later. We didn't get one until 1977. So there you go. I always find it funny when people colourise like fan,
0: they do, like fans colourise episodes, and I find it them, fascinating. I find it incredible, but I, I find it funny how they they always like colourise really long sections of missing episodes, like small clips of them. And I always just think to myself, if you just didn't do that and you just decided to colour a, a complete existing episode, you just have a whole episode of something <laughs> instead of just loads of clips from other things.
3: Well, I think it's because they're, uh, you know, it's very time-consuming to do a of whole. Of course, episode. of course it is. Of
0: course it is. Not for much longer though. I reckon AI will change everything. I think. Artificial you're right. intelligence will, you know.
3: Hey, AI. Hey, hey, AI. So all well, this was inspired by Tony Filer. So thank you, Tony. Tony,
0: um, Legend, uh, WarpFactor.com, of course. I should probably um, read this one out. Um, on. The Grey Mare uh, delivers a satisfying, tortured twist on an already pretty creepy Welsh wassailing tradition whilst touching on loneliness and social isolation in a world before the UK was collectively traumatised by pandemic plague. It shows a Yanto who undergoes significant change and ends the story at least ready to believe that there are people who want him around. And if it's never going to be one that you turn to for a re-listen in spring and summer as a dose of festive darkness, cold and jump scare terror, it's very much what you're looking for.
3: Let it in, we dare you. Yeah, the good time of year to remind people of it because there we are, right in that time of year. Uh, blog to who.com Peter Nolan, the famous uh, actor from the 1970s. Yeah, some great, some great, you know,
0: small, him. small roles.
3: Yeah, uh, Torture of the Grey Mare is a fine addition, not just of the Tortured range, but uh, the Christmas folk horror tradition. We're, we're getting these are December 2021 reviews. You see, this, uh, yeah. even for those that aren't particular Tortured fans, or even Doctor Who fans, this is the perfect stocking filler for anyone you know who likes a fright before bedtime oh oh the bed is so well, maybe because it there. may be a new year already but it's never too late to start planning your excuses for next christmas eve
0: <laughs> we made this network.com baz greenland good old baz says uh, the gray mare has some sweet often sad character beats and plenty of atmosphere and tension there are moments that are genuinely unsettling, and the Mary Lloyd is such a vivid piece of horror. It's sure to have you looking up the Welsh
3: legend online once this story has ended. At Sci-Fi Bulletin says, and no name attributed, so it was anonymous. Uh, I wonder, wonder who it was. Gosh, uh, My- finally caught up let's say paul simpson let's blame it on him finally caught up with the excellent torchwood christmas tale strong work on the gray mare from at Pancheers and at the lisa barman at cost Jam, at big finish and all and relieved that no one said to me in december what the mayor said to yanto
0: <laughs> was the mayor up a horse a horse Sorry, that was, a, that was
3: a that was a terrible joke about mayors as opposed to mayor
0: as a horse horse mayor. And then you know I was thinking
3: town mayor. It was terrible. I've already made that joke in the last podcast. Well, never mind. Um,
0: <laughs> never mind. Shiny Ford here says Torchwood: The Grey Mare. Another addition to the Big Finish festive canon. <laughs> And a
3: bloody good creepy audio to boot.
0: (gasps) It's
3: very rude. Uh, At generic tweeting, just generic. This was every bit as good as I was hoping that it was going to be and more. I truly love the tortured main range, and this is no different. Poignant and eerie. If you have a chance, pick this up little full stops after each of those words to underline it a true christmas ghost story (laughs) that's a spooky santa for those yes good i liked it i liked it thank you
0: wonder welsh says really enjoyed torch with the gray mare as ever massively appreciate big finish hiring actors who can actually speak welsh especially
3: in a story like this really makes a difference yes yes and apologies for any of our appalling welsh pronunciation the Welsh are best at it. Uh, funnily enough, that's true. Uh, that's it for the reviews this week. Next time we'll be talking about the year of Martha Jones. Still to come on the
0: podcast, listeners emails, a preview of Unit Brave New World, Visitants, The Frequency by Tejinda Singh Heyer, and we'll be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big finish release with the
3: randomised selectortron. Oh, it's my favourite bit. Or is it? Uh, but first, let us delve behind the scenes with the Eighth Doctor Adventures connections. Here lies Drax by the non-canonical John Dorney. I'm
10: David Richardson. I'm the producer of the Eighth Doctor Adventures. Theet, theet, as in theta sigma. I
2: don't know. Could be. Why?
10: Because
1: there's only one person I know of who habitually calls me Theet.
2: And who's that? It's
1: an old school friend of mine turned con artist. He's called Drax.
10: Here lies Drax is a sequel to uh, John Dorney's fourth Doctor episode, The Trouble with Drax. Pretty much from the point that we recorded The Trouble with Drax, I always wanted us to do a sequel to it. And it was just waiting, really, for the moment to come and John to uh, come up with the idea. And of course, he's created something brilliant and exciting and funny just hilarious a really lovely script that I know Nicola Hattie and Paul just ran with and had a fantastic time with.
5: Hello I'm John Dorney and I wrote Here Lies Drax. Drax uh, was first introduced by the writers Bob Baker and Dave Martin in the 1970s in a story called The Armageddon Factor, the last story of the key to time. He only turns up in the final two episodes but he's one of those characters whose reputation and effect within fandom really outweighs the amount of time they actually appear in the series. He's probably in about 20 minutes of of classic Doctor Who as it is but people always remember Drax and always remember about him and his nickname for the Doctor of Feet, Theta Sigma, is one of the things that keeps turning up all the time. And then he sort of didn't really get dealt with that much in all of the expanded universe stuff Uh, he turns up in a uh, choose your own adventure book I think something like search for the doctor but that's pretty much it as far as I can remember so the last time he appeared as a recording was in a fourth Doctor adventure I wrote uh, called The Trouble with Drax which uh, seemed to go down a tree and is one of my favorite scripts I've written particularly of the fourth Doctor range so it was always quite tempting to me to revisit Drax and do a sequel.
9: I'm Ken Bentley, and I'm the director of the Eighth Doctor Adventures, Connections.
1: Oh, what a lovely floor. I do hope I didn't damage it when your guards threw me down. I love a masked guard, don't you? So much more intimidating and anonymous.
9: (coughs) I like comedy, and actors enjoy doing comedy. There's a, there's a, um, not just because it's funny, but actually there's a bit of craft skill involved in, in comedy and getting it right and making it funny. And I think that's one of the things actors enjoy. But actually, because of that, uh, comedy is a bit tricky to do. Because we work so quickly, because we record so much in such a short amount of time, that actually makes comedy a little bit tricky because we can't keep going over and over things until we get the timing right. So um, it's always a bit of a seat-of-the-pants recording for me when we're doing something that's, that's sort of um, heightened and comedic.
1: I'm Paul McGann. I play the Eighth Doctor.
2: I
9: am Nicola Walker and I play Liv Chenker. I'm beginning to suspect Liv was
1: right. We should be heading the other way.
2: Uh, The day you accept my suggestions, the moment I make them, is the day we'll all be a lot safer.
1: The first thing is, is we go to his funeral, and of course he turns up. It's great. But yeah, I like it when
2: broken. you say, um, this is exactly how I want my funeral.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. take notes, kids. <laughs> yeah, When they bury me or whatever it is, this is how, exactly how I want it to be. Yeah. You
9: know? Drax was new to me, but I was given a very clear steer on the main character of Drax. And then, of course, what's quite fascinating about this story is that they're, they're all... I mean, Drax isn't Drax, and then all the other characters you find out are Drax, but of course they're all disguising themselves as other character types. And that's a feature of comedy that, that you were, you have archetypes in in terms of characters, and um, and so it was actually quite fun to cast and to find people who would enjoy playing these particular character types.
6: It's a shame, Ritchie, and I play Drax, or do I? Hello, doc, ladies. I'm Drax.
2: Yes, we've figured that out.
6: That was close, eh? <laughs> what? I said, you, you not, You're not going to thank me.
2: For saving us from aliens chasing some money you apparently stole.
6: <coughs> Jackson's like a, a bit of a wheeler dealer. Imagine a cross between Alfie Moon, Arthur Daly, a little bit of Ray Winston. <laughs> He's a lovely character. He's, um, it's not something you'd really associate with Doctor Who. You just know he'd, he'd sell space junk on the quiet on one of the planets, and that's how he makes a living. He's a working man's hand solo. And you can just imagine him going from uh, galaxy to galaxy going, listen, I've got some lovely little, I've got a moody little uh, mudguards for a, a, a spade which I managed to get off the Apollo 11 back in the day. And of course, he's a time traveler because he's a time lord.
10: One little thing that um, people probably won't know is that um, Shane Ritchie was actually in the running to play one of the incarnations of Drax when we were making the trouble with Drax all those years ago. But unfortunately, he wasn't available. But, you know, this being big finish, he he stayed on our lists and we tried again. And this time he was available. We managed to get him. So uh, although he couldn't do it all those years ago, here he is finally playing the role at last.
6: Doing a job like this, it's it's lovely. But forget the fact that it's Doctor Who. I mean, who wouldn't want to do a job like this? Uh, you know, um, thankfully, touch, well, I'm really busy at the moment, but I... When this, I was approached to do this, I've just moved heaven and earth. I managed to talk my missus around not let me do the school run. And it's my son's problem and I had to go shopping with him today. And I, and I pushed everything aside so I can do it. It's I, it's the truest form of being a, an actor because it's, a, you know, an actor is only good as the words he says, you know. And the wonderful thing about climbing out of bed, you know, I'll be honest, I did brush my teeth. I'm not sure I brushed my hair. But, you know, I there's nobody pointing the camera at me. I just got comfy clothes on, had a nice cup of tea, sat there having a laugh with the other actors. I, just, I could do this every day.
3: And you'll find this exciting Eighth Doctor adventure at bigfinish.com. Just type connections at the top of the page. Time now uh, to go straight on Canon for listeners' emails. <laughs> That's right. Fire up your cannons,
0: load your cannonballs, and fire it to podcast at bigfinish.com And they might get read out. You never know. Um, <clears throat> or we'll just get blown up and it'll be pretty horrible. So, you know, maybe just write them down instead. First up, this one here from Pedney. Um, it must be Philip Edney, surely. Yes. Uh, subject of this one is David Warner. Dear Nick and Benji, I hope you're both well. As well as can be expected. Um, last Sunday, Dwayne and I released a special tribute episode on audio and YouTube in honour of David Warner. Contributors include Nick Briggs, Gary Russell, Nigel Fair,s Annette Badland, John Dorney, Susanna Hawker, Tom Zielinski and Lisa Bowerman. Um, would you be able to let people know about this? It is a work of love and Lisa, uh, was very appreciative of it. Um, I will include a link in case you want to put it in your show notes.
3: Just go
0: to com.
3: You'll find it there.
0: Yeah, you'll find it there. It says, thanks much, Lee. Philip, Sirens of
3: Audio. Well, it was a few weeks ago because this email arrived, you know, at a different point in our cycle of production because we've, as I explained to Dwayne Bunny of Sirens of Audio, um, we've had to bank a few podcasts in advance because of uh, our workload. Uh, Brilliant. Yes, and it's a lovely tribute. I think, uh, uh, Philip, you might have meant Susanna Harker r- rather than Susanna Hawker, but uh, I don't know, maybe there is she yeah, I do, I think Susanna Harker's in it. <laughs> anyway, uh, next up, uh, James J. Lovell says, It's happened. Hmm. Hi, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hi there. We all knew this day would come. The Doctor Who logo has changed again. I and many others on Twitter... I've been wondering what this means for branding on Doctor Who releases and those related to the series. Will the 2018 logo remain? Will it change at some point? If so, any idea when? (laughs) Or will the diamond logo only be used on 60th anniversary celebratory releases? Speaking of which, are there plans for the 60th celebrations? (laughs) This email came in, what was it, on the 12th of November, you see. Happily, everyone survived Power of the Doctor, so surely it's only a matter of time until we introduce Ace and Tegan into the unit series. Something to, to think about. I think you typed two twos there, actually. But there again, it does emphasise it. Uh, thank you James uh, Hope everything is well with you both All the best James J Lovell uh, Yes James well you see that the uh, the new brilliant logo for Doctor Who Is appearing on the Big Finish site and products So yeah yeah it's to be rolled out everywhere And it's I- certainly on our um, uh, 60th anniversary release once and future Sorry Benjamin what were you going to say? Sorry,
0: um, am I right in thinking that we revealed our first cover um,
3: with the new logo as of yesterday? I I know, but this is that will be like two weeks ago now. Old
0: news now. Yeah,
3: you're right. Yeah, there you go. Yes, yes. There's a stacked version of it that doesn't have the diamond behind it, which is what they used to use back in the day for the Target novelizations. Because the diamond, although brilliant, is designed to be in the middle of things. You see, it's a middle of things you know and you can't stick it in the middle of a cover because the art, the artwork would just be sort of like a ring around it so the stacked version works quite well to sit at the bottom center of a, 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 a cover i mean we did sort of talk for a while about bringing back the old uh, that strip down the side to put it in but we thought we rather liked it seems to work well in the center at the bottom with the with the flat bottom without the the uh, the diamond logo I, but the the super duper um, diamond anniversary logo which is has more sort of diamond like qualities in it that will be featuring on our um, uh, 60th anniversary release once in future if you haven't already seen that mentioned all over the place good answer
0: thank you um, thank you we got one hit he- that is what i needed to know we got hmm. one here from uh, miles cook um, subject to this one is more McCoy um, Hi Nick and Benji Hi there um, Hi there after 2021, we when we had very little Sylvester McCoy audio work, the extra Tom Baker output, extra projects for Peter Davison and Colin Baker, and extra 8th Doctor box sets for Paul McGann, Charlie Pollard and next year's Time War 5, are McCoy fans going to get some extra box sets to make up for the lack of 7th Doctor output during Covid? I know there's always the problem of availability, but it does seem that Mr. McCoy is getting short shrift these days,
3: and that doesn't seem fair to him or his fans. Uh-huh. Guards, Miles Cook. Well, I think it's a very valid point, Miles, and it is of course entirely due to Sylvester's unfortunate lack of availability during the lockdown times of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, that. Uh, there is less of his stuff out there um, because he was in incommunicado, or France as we like to call it, um, and, um, yes, yeah, so we just couldn't get to work with him. And, of course, that has a knock-on effect. Well, we are recording more stuff with him now, but it does have a knock-on effect to how many of his releases will be coming out. Hopefully, things will write themselves within the next two years, but it will take that long because things are recorded in advance and things have to be planned in advance. And when we knew we couldn't get access to him, it was difficult to, to plan Seventh Doctor releases. But we're not deliberately giving him short shrift, but it is short shrift, isn't it? We don't, we don't mean that. I love... Sylvester and I indeed I went in and worked on one the other week with him and he's on fine form it's always a delight to uh, uh, work with him and uh, in fact he phoned me up a while ago about something completely unrelated to Doctor Who <laughs> but we had a good laugh and it was great fun just to prove that there's no problem with Sylvester and we do love him and would like him to be in as much as possible and at least as much as all the other Doctors. So there you are Miles I hope that uh, helps you there Um, That is it for this week. Thanks for your great emails, which we always enjoy reading out. Uh, More next time. Send to podcast at bigfinish.com. Keep them coming. Well, the Randomoid
0: Selectron is waiting in the wings to offer you a 25% discount on a
3: randomly selected Big Finish release. But before that, let's go behind the scenes with this week's release from A Unit Brave New World Visitants, The Frequency by Tajinda Singh Haya.
7: My name is Tajinda Singh Haya, and I wrote the first episode of Volume 2 of Unit Brave New World, uh, the episode titled The Frequency.
4: Get that door unlocked, Ricks! It's about to get lively! <coughs>
7: The Frequency is a tech thriller, basically. Um, it takes place on a U.S. Air Force base run by Colonel Hagen, who uh, is a military man who perhaps has some interesting aims with uh, with the technology that he's developing on this base. And Bambera and her team are nominally there to test some of this technology. Um, it's a script that I had a huge amount of fun writing. It's got killer robots in it. It's got a shifting maze, but then also the titular frequency is, I think, something I had a lot of fun exploring.
9: You mean brainwashing. Alas, nothing so dramatic as that. It simply means that the listeners are able to operate more cohesively as a team.
4: My name is Angela Bruce, and I play Brigadier Bambera.
8: I'm Yemisey oyen I play Dr. Louise Ricks.
11: I'm Alex Jordan, and I play Sergeant Jean-Paul Savarin. I'm David Menken, and I'm playing Colonel Hagen. Who is uh, leading up a, a special force and uh, a new type of weapon, um, but he has uh, some other ideas on how to use
2: it. Well, it's very disconcerting because someone in authority is actually um, blurring the lines and actually becoming a power maniac, and deciding that he will corrupt everything in order for his own ends to take over how he sees the world should be run in relation to the armies, and that is very
4: scary. But I think it's
9: always always
6: more scary when they're making a um, uh, point that you can't like agree with, you can't ethically get on board with, but they make points. Yeah, like do you know what I mean? That's always the that's always the 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 most scary or threatening villains are the ones that
2: they actually have a point on some mm, things. Yeah. It's just
6: the uh, approach and, and and stuff, so yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: And also it's the robotic approach to think mm. that uh, once you start taking away the human aspect, mm. that's where it becomes frightening and out of control or in the control of whoever programmed that robot. Mm-hmm. Mm.
5: And this
9: guy is actually trying to keep the humanity in it, isn't he? See, oh. look at that. David Mencken
6: is inhabiting the world. He's been won over by the argument. Yeah. I can hear it, you're being won over by
9: the argument. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) We knew that would happen.
9: (laughs) I wish we'd had it in the Gulf. We could've dealt with things once and for all without leaving so much unfinished business there.
2: I've learned from my mistakes.
9: As have I. But the conflicts of the future are not going to be the same as those of the past. Volgamaya is just the start.
7: I think that uh, the character of Colonel Hagen was very important in writing this episode. I think I had this idea from the very start that uh, I wanted him to initially feel potentially benign and persuasive, um, but the overriding theme that I guess was underpinning uh, a lot of the early writing was this notion of the devil having the best tunes, uh, which I guess is pretty apt in a, in, in a script that is all about hearing in particular. Um But I wanted Hagen to be this kind of dark mirror for Bambera and her team, that he presents a version of the military in particular that they could end up potentially following and aping.
9: Can you imagine how emergency services would benefit from this technology in a disaster situation? Imagine how much quicker a search and rescue would happen if you could send the frequency out through a buried building. Rescuer and victim would find each other like that.
8: Hello, I'm Emily Cook and I'm the producer of Unit Brave New World.
11: Hello, I'm Scott Hancock, and I'm the director of UNIT Brave New World.
8: A rather brilliant director. A
11: rather brilliant producer. <laughs> the fun thing about coming back for Volume 2 is, I think we said this on the extras for Volume 1, uh, myself and the, the lead cast had no idea where it was going to, to go, so it was interesting having Emily relate stuff to us during that session about what might be coming up, uh, and then to actually see it on the page and see where these adventures took us. Uh, was really interesting. And actually, episode one's really fun because having introduced that team together in volume one, uh, they really hit the ground running with a proper sort of chamber piece uh, for the first story, the frequency, where they're all literally thrown together in a room and having to work together. And And the dynamic, it feels like they've been working together for years. And that's all down to, you know, uh, Angelo Yemisi and Alex.
8: I think that's a very good point, actually. They have brilliant chemistry and... It is interesting comparing episode one of volume one with episode one of volume two and the difference in how well the team is gelling now and that was part of the point of the first set is that we're forming this team and establishing them and they're very much established by the end of the first set and then as you say yeah you hit the ground running with them and they're kind of the whole point of the episode is really exploring how well they work together Mm. as a team when they're not under the influence of the hoplite frequency.
2: Savarine is the fastest runner, so he heads off the felon.
6: I run to block off his path. The Brigadier stops his retreat.
2: We encircle him. Ricks handles the public. The other two handle the runner, and I talk to the cashier.
6: Louise talks to the attendant and phones the police.
2: If needed, I call the cops.
6: Wonderful.
0: And remember that you'll find this at bigfinish.com by typing visitants into the search pane at the top. Uh-huh. Uh, very soon now, we'll be giving you a free 15-minute drama tease of The Eighth Doctor Adventures, Connections. But first...
3: It's the Random Selectron Electrotron, giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. <laughs> Just try to ring the changes with the stupid way I say it. T- it's not working, Stup- Briggs. Stupid um. way you say it. <laughs> um, well, so what we, have we got?
0: Ran has chosen Doctor Who uh, Hour of the Cybermen. Hour of the Cybermen?
3: With David Banks. Colin Baker story. Mm, excellent. Was it, yes. It was,
0: was this the first one with a returning David Banks?
3: It was, yeah. By, directed by Jamie Anderson. And you know, it's. I think it came about because David Banks came up to me at a convention, or rather, I saw him at a convention. I think it was a Duas one, and I hadn't seen him for years. And we always got on really well, and I chatted, and I said, "Why don't you come and do, you know, some '80s Cybermen for us?" And he said, "Oh well, Nick, you do the Cybermen now." Which is, I said, but "It doesn't mean you can't do them as well." <laughs> so uh, we made it happen, and Jamie Anderson did a fantastic job. Here's the trailer.
9: Play the audio segment. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions.
1: Welcome to the Unit Operations Room, Doctor. Our base for monitoring the Cerberus satellites.
9: That was earlier today. You've got Unit HQ bucked.
3: Doctor Who. Hour of the
6: Cybermen. I'll never get used to your TARDIS, Doctor. It's all required for the middle of the afternoon in central London.
9: We rely upon the vulnerability of the human condition. What's that, then? Like? The weakness of flesh, of emotion. This is no natural, Trout.
4: You say the whole of Britain is like this? You are the Doctor. Excellent. Destroy them. Yes, leader. Keep back! You are the Doctor. You will be destroyed.
9: No, don't shoot. Their fear makes them hesitate. They shall relinquish all their fears when they become as we are.
3: Big finish. We love stories.
6: Well done, human. Cybermen might have no emotions. But have you noticed, they still scream when they die.
3: Did he wear Doc Martens? Uh, yeah. I hope he did. I hope he did. <laughs> no, he wore his, not Doc Martens. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Oh, dear. Yeah, and fantastic music done by Steve Fox and there. All the right noises. Great stuff. Yeah, he stuff.
0: really he went above and beyond for this one. I seem to remember he was very excited to yeah. get his, his cyber on.
3: Lovely cover as well. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I was by, gorgeous. By cover. Lee Johnson. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Oh, just admiration all round. Get well, involved listen, there. uh while I Jackie Emery Jackie Emery Finish to make to sure she sure which release which release to attach the offer to, offer to, explain please you how you get the 25% discount percent the style the of the eighth Doctor's Pet gerbil, Kevin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, Kev, hello there, mates. All you have to do is go to bigfinish.com. It's very nice, you know. It's very nice. Go to podcasts. No, oh, I love me podcasts. When you're on the podcast page, go to read more because you want to read more. We all do. <laughs> that uh, sounds like Harry Enfield, I think. <laughs> it does a little bit, doesn't it? But it's not. It's uh, Kevin the Gerbil. Uh, when you're on there, click read here and enter the code book up. I'm going more northern now it would seem. Uh, <laughs> enter enter book up and you'll get no, your discount. You discounts. don't want to do that. No, you wanna stay like this, the sort of nice sort of guy who's a bit bit wee, a bit woo and a bit wah. So um just enter that in and you'll get your discount. Yeah. You can't say it, you know, you can't say I uh I don't try.
3: Yeah no, no you can't say that.
0: You can't say that because what? You know, you say other things instead.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I've just finished writing that email to Jackie. I'm now sending it. Whoosh! Off it goes. Okay. Well, cheers, Ran. Nice work. And next week's podcast is entitled War Doctor Empire. What? (laughs) And features the War Doctor Begins, you see. He who fights with monsters. Very highfalutin sounding title. And Torchwood, the Empire Man. Uh, You see, so... Yeah, That's why it's called that Or Doctor Empire yeah. Great stuff, great stuff Thanks again for listening The Big
0: Finish Podcast is presented by me Benji Clifford yes. and him Nick Briggs uh-huh. He also wrote, produced
3: and edited it That's right, I also swept the floor On my way out uh, uh, Both Benji and I did this by the way uh, For the love of stories Time now for the 8th Doctor Adventures connections here lies Drax by John Dorney so I don't know whether it's canonical or not you decide
2: a whopper uh, of course it is
1: Liv Helen I have some excellent news
2: fan it wait I've nearly finished the crossword and I'm reaching the end of a chapter
1: they aren't going anywhere come on
2: very well sure why not
1: I checked the post this morning
2: the what? The TARDIS gets post.
1: Of course it gets post. Everywhere gets post. I had it redirected from Baker Street.
2: Well, it must have built up a bit.
1: Less than you'd think.
2: Oh, it was a surprise. I don't think you've checked it before. But you've checked it now. That is good, I suppose. Did you do the bins as well?
1: Can we stick to the point?
2: Sorry, was that not the excellent news?
1: Of course it's not the excellent news. You knew that, didn't you?
2: Maybe a bit. You're so easy to tease. Go on, then. What was the excellent news?
1: What was in the post, Liv? Helen? We may already have won a million pounds. I should have guessed quite. What? You don't seem awfully excited. I know we're time travellers, we don't need the money, but I'm sure we could do something useful with it.
2: We haven't won anything.
1: We might have done. It's written right here on the envelope.
2: Doctor, you can't trust envelopes. Didn't you learn anything from Baker Street? It's junk mail.
1: It's not. It says so. This is not junk mail. Right there on the... Envelope.
2: Yes. Doctor, do you see where we're going with this?
1: But why would people do that?
2: Because they're not to be trusted. They're always keen to make an extra buck.
1: Well, next you would be telling me I haven't won a villa in Torremolinos. Oh, you've got to be
2: joking. It should all go in the bin where it belongs. Exactly. Wait, this one isn't a circular. The envelope's not smooth enough.
1: I thought we couldn't trust envelopes.
2: And it's addressed to Theet.
1: Theet. As in Theta Sigma.
2: I don't know. Could be. Why?
1: Because there's only one person I know of who habitually calls me Theet.
2: And who's that?
1: An old school friend of mine turned con artist. He's called Drax.
2: hello to the lovely Romana, and if that regeneration isn't with you, say hello to the other one.
1: (laughs) That's actually quite amusing, if you knew them.
2: Mm. I'll have to take your word for that. Sorry to impose on you like this, mate, but you're the only bloke I know with a permanent domicile. I need you to look after something for me. Right you'll be receiving a parcel it contains many items of great value you'd be doing me a massive solid doing him a what? Mm. if you'd look after them until I'm able to retrieve them shouldn't be long I've a bit of business to deal with on Androzani Major and I'll be right with you oh and mum's the word thanks in advance Thiet I owe you one
1: Mm. well he owes me a great deal more than that Why, so well, for a start, because he, and in some cases she, once played an enormous con trick on me across multiple regenerations, allowing them to steal an incredibly dangerous temple device and frame me for the theft.
2: And he's your old school friend? He sounds infuriating.
1: He is. It was clever, though.
2: This hardly sounds much better. Not from a con man. Yeah, please look after some items that are obviously too hot for me to handle, but I'm perfectly happy to set you up with.
1: They might not be ill-gotten gains?
2: They obviously are. He's as dodgy as you say. Maybe. And maybe you have a bit of a blind spot.
1: You know, Romani used to say that, too. I suppose he was my only real friend at the Academy.
2: You mean, apart from the ones who've subsequently tried to kill you?
1: Apart from those, yes. Anyway, might be moot. Temporal post is notoriously unreliable. He could have sent this eons ago. I didn't find a parcel, so it's probably been lost in the transfer.
2: What was that? I've not heard the console make that noise before. No, yeah, me neither. And I'm guessing it might be an alert letting us know more posters arrived.
1: Yes, second delivery. I suppose I asked for that, didn't I?
2: Some sheet music?
1: An Ordnance Survey map of Inverness, Loch Ness and Culloden.
2: A scientific calculator? A well-thumbed guide to the canals of England.
1: A VHS copy of the Hound of the Braskervilles from 1982. Ex-rental. And an electronic keyboard. But it doesn't work. We'll have to dance the bossing over another time.
2: Is that the lot?
1: Apparently. Just the six items.
2: I suppose they don't look like... How did you put it? Ill-gotten gains? Misbegotten, perhaps. Charity shop-gotten, almost certainly.
1: It does make me wonder why he's so keen for us to look after them.
2: Because it's a trick. A scheme. A deception. A con. How far through the thesaurus do I need to go? Given what you've told us about him, I'm inclined to agree. I can't see what the scheme could be.
1: We did receive another item in the mail just now. A card. I assumed it was a belated Valentine's, but it could be connected, I'll look.
2: Still, there is one consolation. I can't see that there's a major issue with us holding on to this for him. Yeah, nothing in this box could possibly cause us trouble. He certainly wouldn't kill anyone over it. What's the card say?
5: It's an
1: invitation. To Drax's funeral. at least. The Chrono Chapel at rest is the most exclusive remembrance room a time traveler can get. He can't have been doing badly.
2: Well, if he was a man, they do occasionally hit big.
1: It'll have to be very big. The price of the ceremony is vast. The owners must be raking it in.
2: What's so good about this place, other than the decor?
1: Its position, right at the fringes of the vortex. Makes it easy to have mourners from the entire spectrum of time and space.
2: And yet... It's just the three of us.
1: Yes. Attendance would seem a little low. He must have had more friends than this.
2: Well, you were his friend. If he treated others the way you say he treated you.
1: There's no point holding a grudge, is there? Not when they've passed on.
2: Mm. Always assuming he has passed on. And this isn't an elaborate ruse.
1: I suppose it's good it was an open casket. That does help with identification. It's just a pity the body wasn't one of the regenerations I'd actually met.
2: I thought you said you met all of them.
1: Yes, all of them in disguise as someone else. Unfortunately, six of them pretended to be a squadron of police. They were arresting me at the time, so I wasn't paying much attention to their faces. I didn't know I'd have to pick them out of a line-up later, or in this case, a lying down.
2: So it might be your drax, but it might not. Well, at least we know for a fact that we don't know for a fact.
1: I mean, he could have faked his own death. It would be plausible. He stole a Blenovich Limitation Effect Limiter, which meant he could freely interact with his other selves and know exactly what was going to happen before it did.
2: Shouldn't that have made him impossible to kill?
1: You'd have thought so.
2: Maybe he got complacent, failed to expect the unexpected.
1: There shouldn't have been anything unexpected, which is worrying.
2: I wonder what happened. Ah, there's a celebrant. The service must be about to begin. Looks like it is just us. DELY beloved,
1: You spoke too soon?
2: A spaceship, Captain, judging by the uniform. Anyone you know?
1: Not that I can tell. Given his history, it could be...
2: A different incarnation of Drax.
1: If there's one person I know who'd attend his own funeral, the disguise would seem a trifle extreme. But if he has another body print scrambler going, I'd never know.
6: All right! Snap out of it! I know you're alive! Captain! Captain! Would you mind not shaking the body? I'll shake whatever I want! Do you know how much this body owes me? He's trying to get out of paying! I can assure you, he is dead! So, I'll have to dump that cage of his into a black hole? That'll cost me even more! No, <sighs> I'm not going until he's cremated!
2: Can't con his way out of that!
6: Yes, yes, yes.
2: Very good, sir. Not one of his closest friends, I'm guessing. Well, we've already established how he treats them.
1: Still, he's swelled the numbers. this would be far less embarrassing now.
2: <sighs> Dearly beloved! Does nobody pay attention to the start time anymore?
1: One of the hazards of locating yourself in a complex temporal orbit. Time's flexible here. It isn't just the corpses that are late.
2: What a glamorous woman. Yeah, though a red dress is an unusual choice for a funeral. Does she ring any bells?
1: None whatsoever. Unless, perhaps,
2: she's... Another new incarnation of Drax, yes. I've a feeling we're going to be saying that all day. Hmm. Faking your own death, eh? I suppose it's cheaper than a divorce. You think I'll let her have you? Wait, she's got a... (gasps) Well, if he wasn't dead before, he certainly is now. Young lady! So it's true. Fare you well, my sweet. Can you legally shoot a corpse? I've no idea, but I'm not making a citizen's arrest. Are you? <sighs> Darling! Beloved! Oh, good grief. They should install a revolving door here. Liv, Helen,
1: take notes. This is exactly how I want my funeral to go.
2: This guy?
4: Uh, I mean, he could be. This better not be another trick, Drax, if I'm missing out on the big score.
2: Oh, he's trying the old mirror-over-the-mouth trick. How old-fashioned.
4: No breath.
2: Pity. They all wanted to be certain he was dead. it's almost as if none of them trusted him. I wonder why that might be. Is that it? Yep. All done. Right. Will there be any more interruptions?
1: How would we know? Very well.
6: Daddy! beloved!
4: <gasps>
0: <gasps> Hurry, that way!
2: That's a memorial. Come wait! If someone's bombing it, I doubt this Drax guy would mind you paying your respects elsewhere.
9: She has a point. Definitely.
2: So if you don't want to be next in line for this place's services, move. They're safe, at least. And we shall probably follow their lead.
1: No, no, the TARDIS is this way.
2: Are you sure? We got turned around in the smoke.
1: I have an unerring sense of direction. Since when? Since someone blew up a coffin. My sense is that we go in the opposite direction.
2: All right. (laughs) Who blows up a corpse anyway, is not it? Gilding the lily.
1: That's certainly the first funeral I've ever been to where the body was immolated before the service.
2: You're accepting he is a corpse, then?
1: I'm not accepting anything. When it comes to Drax, you can't take anything at face value. You can't even take his face at face value.
2: Judging by the people at the ceremony back there, nobody can. Certainly, whoever attacked it agreed. It's the only plausible reason to bomb the memorial. To ensure he was dead.
1: Unless that's what they wanted us to think. And Drax wasn't the target.
2: Huh. I don't
1: like the sound of that. I don't like the sound of that. Liv, Helen. do you by any chance hear big clumping feet coming this way?
2: Uh, I'd have said thumping, personally, but I'm broadly on board with the rest of it.
1: I'm beginning to suspect Liv was right. We should be heading the other way.
2: Uh, The day you accept my suggestions, the moment I make them is the day we'll all be a lot safer. Come on, hurry! (laughs) Too late!
1: We're surrounded. Doctor! Friends of yours? I've never seen them before in my life.
4: Livchenka
2: and Helen
1: Sinclair.
2: Nor me. Or me. What species are they? I don't recognise them. I'm
1: not sure. I don't recognise them either. We are the Valtrassi! Oh, thank you, that's helpful. Liv, Helen, I'm guessing they're called the Valtrassi.
2: I mean, it's a stab in the dark, but you could be right. The
1: Quantum Assassin
4: wants his property back.
1: A <gasps> Quantum Assassin?
2: You've heard of him?
1: No. But he sounds like he's got a
7: good marketing team, the Quantum Assassin. Quite the name.
2: We don't know what you're talking about.
7: He is aware Drax sent you a parcel. He would like its contents
4: returned.
2: But they're completely worthless.
4: As are your lives if you do not return what was stolen. His money, it is inside. No,
1: no, I assure you it's not. And unless your unit of currency is obscure Sherlock Holmes adaptations, which I suppose wouldn't be the strangest I've ever encountered. You, you mock, mock us! Can... All right, all right, all right. It's no skin of my nose. You can have the parcel if you like.
5: Oh,
6: no, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, no, they can't. They can't.
2: <laughs> what in the. A celebrant?
1: You're a lot
6: shootier than I'd expected. Funny that. Come on, Doc. Don't be slow on the uptake. <laughs> of course. It's you.
2: It's me! It's him, the one person at the memorial we didn't suspect.
6: Yeah, lovely, nice to meet you, but can we save it for another time, yeah? The Valtrasia are pretty strong now, and these shots won't keep them down forever.
1: You... who are you? I see what you
10: mean. Run!
6: Where are we going? Your tight! Come on this way. Ah. I
1: was right. See what I said, unerring.
2: Yep, yeah, this isn't the way we were heading. Don't
6: be picky. Oh. Here we are.
2: The towers.
1: And that's not all. Do you think you can escape?
2: I mean, we usually do.
4: Then prepare to be surprised. Come on, all in. No. no.